everybody. This is the Designated Drummer Podcast. Hope everybody's doing good. It's uh, this week. Uh, I thought I would um, include my daughter Amelie. She's my co-host today. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Great to see you. I haven't seen you since May. Yeah. So I, we've been, it's been a busy schedule, uh, touring out on the road, and you've been up here finishing school. You didn't even finish school until a couple of weeks ago, right? Um. Till like June. July, June, oh, June, June okay, 29th so was the last time. And I haven't seen you in a long time, and I'm up here visiting Amelie up in uh, Burlington, Ontario, and she's out of school, so we're going to get in the car and hit the road and go meet up with the band and hang out for a couple of shows. Do you mm-hmm. like doing that still? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, do. you used to do that when you were, like, little, when I used to bring you to shows when you were just a little girl and mm-hmm. set you on the side of the stage and that kind of thing and used to have a good time watching the band. Do you still yeah. enjoy that? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's probably kind of different now. Yeah, I haven't done it in a while. But I can't wait to hit the road again. <laughs> yeah, really? It's been a while since you've been to one of our shows. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite part about um, coming and hanging out on the road and seeing the shows and stuff? Oh, boy. I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, the bus is pretty cool. Um, I really like uh hotel rooms being in different hotel rooms and stuff um i like some of the fairs we go to um oh yeah because we get to kind of like after sound check or yeah, something we lots get to of go. um lots of uh american food you know like, oh right now what what do you consider american food <laughs> deep fried oreos they don't know? have that in canada <laughs> no no i mentioned it to to multiple people here in canada and they looked at me like I, they were disgusted with me. I'm like, you know what? I know it sounds disgusting, but I've tried it. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I would think, um, God, what's what's American food? Like like hot dogs, hamburgers? I it's guess like, they have that up here, right? Like just a lot of food with a lot of cheese, I guess. Yeah. Like, like if you get a burger, it's like super-sized burger with like triple cheese. Like, right. I don't know. And I you've guess told me before that, that Taco Bell in the States is totally different than Taco Bell yeah. here. Canada, can, Canadian Taco Bell sucks <laughs> so, so hard. It sucks. It's really bad. I tried to order it one time after having it in the U.S. Their menu is completely different. I ordered the, the thing that I usually order and it was completely different. It tasted like garbage. It, <laughs> they don't have any of the, like, they don't have Baja Blast, which is really disappointing because it's really good. So it's almost like a whole different company, right? I mean, yeah, the it's food's like, not the same. It's different. I don't know. I, now, we're not dogging Taco then. Bell at all. Now, Because I no. love Taco Bell, and that's my go-to food yeah. out on the road. But in America, you're saying in yeah, America I, it's I different. Yeah, I like it in America. It's, yeah. it's good. But not here. Um, but yeah, no, not, not in wild. Canada, as far as I can remember. I don't know. Unless they've completely changed all yeah. of their recipes and their entire menu, then I don't know. So I would have thought one of your favorite parts about being on the road would have been sound check. You know how you get to kind of like be backstage and help yeah. watch them set up the equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, this next trip, you're going to be actually joining our crew. You're going to mm-hmm. help out with um, Yeah. You're going to get a walkie-talkie and a crew shirt, and you're going to be part of our crew. And that'll be that'll be. I'll, yeah. I will get really big joy out of seeing you work and seeing you being part of the crew. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that, yeah. That'll be fun. Okay, so we had some questions that had come in since the, our last Q&A that we did, or the last Q&A I did. I don't know, maybe the one that we did together was the last Q&A. I can't remember. But... um. I know it's been a while since we've done a Q&A with you and I, and uh, with Keechan A, that's A for Amelie, <laughs> Q&A with Keechan A. 
I don't know. Anyway, um, so what's what's our first? We have about what eight questions? Yeah, eight about questions. Eight. I thought I would start with eight, and then if you want to chime in to any thoughts mm-hmm. or comments you have, or more questions or whatever per per line per per number per question, then you can just chime in. So what's what's okay. the first one? Uh, first question is in terms of um, tuning the drums. Uh, how do you do it? What are your techniques? And do you have any tips? Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So tuning the drums, that's a very subjective thing because uh, depending on what style of music you play, I noticed that jazz uh, mm-hmm. has a tighter, like the drums are tighter and more ringy a little yeah. bit. You don't really hit them as hard. They're kind of a more mellow, but ringy type thing. So that's one thing. The snare is always tight. Yeah. Uh, the ride cymbal usually has a little chain. Not that that's a tuning thing, but I'm just saying style-wise, has a little um, uh, like necklace chain kind of thing coming mm-hmm. down. So when you hit it, it sizzles a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, in country music, the the drums are a little bit different. They're a little bit, uh, the snares tend to be a little bit right in the middle range. Not super tight, not super loose. What a lot of drummers do is they have a, a medium snare and a, and a tight little popcorn snare off to the side. A lot of my drummer friends do that now. I saw one the other day, this guy played, he had a normal sounding snare. It wasn't tight or anything. It was just a normal, you know, snare that you would hear on a record or something. And then he had his side snare was tuned really what we call gushy. And I, he actually referred to it as gushy. It was real low with a, with a tone ring around it. So when you hit it, it was like, real mm-hmm. deep and low yeah. so that they had a lot of loops that they were playing. And when the loop would play, he would go to that little side snare, which was loose and gushy. And then when the chorus would kick in, he would go into his regular snare. And now we do the same thing, except ours is our side snare, my side snare is sort of tight. Um, as far as tuning techniques, uh, one of the first things I do is when I take the, the drum head off, the old drum head off, is I clean all the dust and debris and stuff that gets that can get caught down either inside the drum. Believe it or not, it will dust can get inside the drum in that little hole that in the side of the drum. Um, so I empty any dust that's in the drum, I empty it out, clean around the rim, put the new head on, and then just hand tighten all the lugs, and then I'll start tightening them across from each other. That's one technique that I use. Is like when you have one lug on one side of the drum and you look directly across the other side of the drum will be another lug uh, opposed on the opposite side. You tighten that a little bit more. Then you go to the uh, the side lug that's that's like 90 degrees away from that. Tighten that a little bit. Tighten the one directly across from it. And you do this kind of like a star pattern where you're going across. And you just keep doing that till the sound is good. Now, normally I'll tighten the drum pretty tight. Uh, at first and then I'll loosen it all the way and then I'll start over again because the reason is is the drum has to stretch out a little bit has to stretch and get the glue kind of kind of crack the little uh, resin the glue residue that's inside the rim of the of the drum head and I'll stretch that out a little bit until you hear it kind of crack and then you you loosen it and tighten it again and then you start to get your tone now um, I usually the kick drum I usually run fairly loose fairly loose not not loose to where it's flapping but loose to where when I hit it it's got a nice low thud to it if you tighten the kick drum head too tight it tends to go boom 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 like that and sound men don't like that it doesn't sound good so if you loosen it medium loose then it has a nice thud to it and you kick it really hard and it sounds good um, the snare medium tight I'll say now I will say that the bottom head of the snare should be f- reasonably tighter than the top that's just what i that's just my personal the way i like the sound i like that snare to snap when i hit it the bottom snare to snap mm-hmm. um and the top head i can just tune to whatever tone i want if i want it medium tight if i want it super tight whatever i will say 
that the tighter the snare, the more the stick, when you do the side stick, the more side stick will come out, will uh, resonate and be a little bit louder. Um, and I like that. I like a nice loud side stick. So I tend to run the snare pretty tight. I did for a while start to run it a little looser and my sound man, Kyle, had asked me to tighten it up again. So uh, I figured that's the sound that he probably gets a better result out of a tighter snare. So I tend to go a little tighter on that. Um, first Tom, I have a 13 inch Tom, a 14 inch Tom and a 16 inch Tom. And I just tune them to where they sound good. I don't know what else to say. You just tune it not too tight because we're not a jazz band, but medium, not too loose because if you tune it too loose, then it tends to take dents and it sounds terrible. It's like blah, blah. But you want to tighten it right in the middle for that particular drum that you're playing. And and here's another tip or technique. Tune the bottom head the same as the top head. And they won't have that sort of wavy sound. Like if the bottom head is on, on the toms. I'm not talking about the snare. On the snare, I like the bottom head to be really tight. But on toms, I like the bottom head and the top head to be almost the same. So they, they resonate together. So the difference would be like if I had the, the bottom head on, let's say the floor tom, the bottom head super tight and the top head loose, it would kind of tend to go woo, 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 woo. Like, you know what I mean? It would like the, mm-hmm. the tones would fight each other. Yeah. If I had the bottom head similar to the top head, they'll resonate together and they'll make a doo, a nice doo, like tone. And that's what I strive for when I tune the drums. Mm. So hope that answers that question. What's the next one? Um, kind of three in one here, but uh, do your arms get tired when you play? Uh, how do you keep up a beat for so long? And do you get blisters? Oh, okay. So do, do my arms get I've had a lot of people ask me that. How do your arms not just get so tired they want to fall off? from? Because you're playing like a beat for, well, you're playing for an hour and a half and your arms are sort mm-hmm. of up in that you're holding your arms up in a way. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know the best way to describe it, except that I've been doing it for so long. And when you play drums, you're sort of in a zone and you're not holding your arms up like your elbows up. You've got your elbows down and you're playing with mostly with your wrists. So it's not like you're fighting gravity and you have to have these large muscles on your arms. Yeah. Some drummers I've seen play with their arms up high and they're, they have small, they're skinny. They're really skinny arms. Um, one is, example is Travis Barker with mm-hmm. Blink-182. He's yeah. a real skinny guy and he plays with his arms up real high all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that after a few years of playing, your arms get used to that and they yeah. don't really... They don't really get like tired. You're not thinking about your arms being tired. Now I have done drum solos before where in the middle of the set somewhere, you know, that it'll be our, on our set list. It'll say drum solo and I'll just do this long solo for two or three minutes. Now my arms have gotten tired doing that because I'm doing all these like these crazy mm-hmm. licks and stuff like that. Your arms can tend to get tired. But normally, if you watch a drummer play, even if the drummer they're playing fast, they're not really flexing their arm muscles too much. I mean, they're moving their wrists mostly. Yeah. It's mostly in the wrist, mm-hmm. um, and it's and especially if you're just playing a beat, you're sort of relaxed. It's kind of a relaxed feeling, mm-hmm. and you're using mostly your wrists, and and those muscles just get used to that. And I can't tell you a secret to that or anything, except just the more you do it, the less your arms get tired. That's yeah. all I can tell you. Yeah, you know. Um, oh, and you asked about blisters. Um, I think what the question was is when it's probably from a drummer that gets blisters when they play and how do you not get blisters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that when I started out in 1982 was when I first started playing drums for a living, you know, um, and that just means that I'm playing drums every night 
pretty much every night and I have to practice during the day a lot of times and we, we have rehearsals. Your volume of playing and the, the, the amount of time that the stick is rubbing against your skin is quite a bit more than when you're not a professional drummer. If you're just an amateur drummer and you, you're, you're working a job somewhere, you're going to school, whatever, and you just practice once or twice a day, then uh, it doesn't tend to rub as much. I mean, you, you'll tend to get blisters because you're playing for a little while and it's rubbing against your skin and that thing. When you start playing professionally, you start playing. Yes, you do get blisters. And I remember having blisters, painful ones for a while. But I noticed that the more I played, the more those blisters turned to calluses and the skin just got really tough there mm-hmm. on, on the places where I would get blisters. Yeah. Now they're just calluses. And I don't get, I don't, I think also when you're younger, you tend to hold onto the sticks tighter or something like they rub yeah. weird. But when you, start playing professionally for a while the way you hold the stick is a lot lighter and it doesn't rub as much and you just kind of get more used to that and i think that just becomes part of your professionalism is when you play you just don't get blisters you you've got calluses in the places where there would be blisters and you don't wear any new blisters because you're not rubbing the stick there and it's just kind of a you're just sort of relaxed when you play or something like that mm-hmm. i haven't had a blister in I can't even remember the last time I ever had a blister. <laughs> Decades. It's been, yeah. I think I got blisters the first two years that I was playing professionally from 82 and 83. And then when it got to be 84, 85, when I was playing like six nights a week, sometimes seven nights a week, five sets a night, we would play like 45 minutes, take a 15 minute break, another 45 minutes. And we'd do that from nine o'clock all the way till about two in the morning. And then that'll have a tendency to wear, to toughen up any blisters that you may have. So, uh, so yeah. Mm. Yeah. What's the next question? What's your biggest frustration recording a song? My biggest frustration in recording a song. So we're in the studio. We have a producer usually. Um, There's a chart that you have to read. I think the most frustrating part to me is recording a song is is having to follow that chart. Because I will say that if it's a song that I know and I've memorized it. Like say it's a song that we did pre-production on or a song that we've already been playing. Like when we recorded our new record, it's called 10 to 1, where we went back in and re-recorded 10, all 10 of our number one songs that we've had. Um, I knew those songs already. I didn't have to look at a chart or try and figure out where I was in the song. I knew the songs already by heart. I mean, it's like tattooed in my brain, right? So that was the easiest session I've ever done. When you go in and you're doing new songs that you're not familiar with and you have a chart in front of you, it's a numbers chart, and everybody has the same chart. Chords, you can follow the chords on it, the numbers are chords, and it has uh, measures and uh, timing cues in there about where the bridge is or where the chorus is or if it's a double chorus or uh, if it's an extra bar of two at the end of a line. All that stuff has to be written out. And for me, the most frustrating part of recording a song is looking at that chart and trying to figure out where I am because it's not, I didn't start out my career reading charts. I, I came into that way later, you know, like when I moved to Nashville and joined Lone Star and now all of a sudden I'm making records and I have to look at this chart and follow it just like everybody else. And a lot of the other guys have been reading charts for a long time, you know, session guys and mm-hmm. things like that. And, um, so they are a lot more familiar with reading the chart. They can almost look at it and memorize it and not even have to look at it very much to know where they are in the song. For me, I have to look at that thing and count and think of where I am. I in this chorus. Okay, the chorus is about to end. Okay, I'm going to do a big fill here. Come in. And then, of course, when you record in the studio, there's three main things you have to do that are equally as important. Number one is the chart and knowing where you are in the song and not make a mistake and like, oops, 
you know, I'm in the wrong spot or I'm lost or the song's already ended and you're still playing, you know, mistakes, mm-hmm. things like that. You have to know where you are in the song. The second thing is you have to be precise. You know, when you hit the drums and you play, you have to be a good drummer. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to uh, play tight and you have to play um, very, very clean. And when I say clean, I mean mm-hmm. like you can't flub anything. You can't r- hit a stick. You can't hit a rim. You have to concentrate on your being perfect. And then the third thing is that blasted click track in your ear. You have to follow that mm-hmm. and you have to put it in the back of your mind. So you're hearing this and it's just going constantly or it's, it's a, it's kind of a, or sometimes it's a shaker or something you have to follow while you're playing. So you have to look at the chart and know where you are. You have to play perfect and you have to follow that click track. You can't get off of it. So those three things are going on in your mind. It's like a three ring circus all the time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is to answer that question. That is the most frustrating part to me personally about playing, uh, recording a song is knowing where I'm at and reading that chart and that three ring circus that's going on in my head. That's the hardest part. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if you already answered this question in past episodes, but how did you get started? Oh, I think I may have, but I'll, I'll answer that again. Um, I, when I was a kid, I sort of wanted to be a drummer, but I didn't think that that was actually real. I didn't think I could really do that. I thought, well, yeah, I would love to be a drummer. That was almost like, uh, just like if you said, would you like to go to the moon? Mm, yeah. You know, well, yeah, of course I would, you know, but I don't think that's possible. I just didn't think of it as a possible thing because I didn't own any drums. I didn't have enough money to buy a drum kit. I didn't think it was an option, but my dad had a trumpet. So when I went to sign up for drums, they kind of said, well, we have enough drummers. Let's pick another instrument. So I knew that trumpet was going to be my backup instrument since my dad already had a trumpet. And he asked me if I was going to play trumpet with, you know, like he did in in school. So I took his old smelly trumpet, his antique trumpet and played it for about, uh, about four years. I was like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. And then right around eighth grade and ninth grade, I got really interested in the drums and I actually had bought a couple of drums, not a full drum kit, but I had a couple of drums that I had acquired and I started trying to put together a kit and practicing and I knew I could play. And then one day I saw uh, in seventh grade, I saw a guy who was a trombone player playing drums with a band that they were auditioning for, or they were practicing for the talent show, for the school talent show. And uh, I saw him up there playing drums. And I thought, well, if he could do it, I know I could do it because he doesn't own any drums. He's playing somebody else's drums or something. Mm-hmm. He borrowed a kid or something. And um, I saw him up there doing that. And I thought, well, that's for me. I, if, so from that point on, I kind of started focusing more on being a drummer. And so uh, I just started practicing more and trying to acquire more drums and knowing that someday maybe I I could be a drummer, you know, and that's what I wanted to be. I thought that's what I want to do. I want to be in the back there. I want to count off the song. I want to play it. I want to have a good tight ending and have the crowd applaud and all that and move to the next song and put on a whole show. I mean, I had that in my mind. I visually, I could see myself doing that. And so I just kept sticking with it and doing it. And then finally I dropped out of band in the 10th grade. I didn't join band in 10th grade. I decided to focus more on drums. So I did and started playing, practicing more and trying to get in bands and things like that. And how I got started professionally was, it's funny that that same guy in seventh grade that was playing the drums, he 
actually, his name was Danny, he actually switched to bass. And he, in, in later years, he, uh, in high school, he, he picked up the bass guitar and he got to be a really good bass guitar player. He came over to my house one time when I had a full kit set up by then and we uh, talked and we were hanging out and I was playing the drums for him and he was he was kind of commenting saying, you're really good. He goes, you've really come a long way. He goes, you're really good. He goes, uh, the band I play in, um, our drummer's not even that good. You know, you could definitely be in. So he always remembered that. And so when we graduated from high school, I was trying to go on auditions and trying to get from, I wasn't interested in going to college at that time. I just wanted to play drums. Mm-hmm. So I was going on auditions. He called me one night and said, our drummer's leaving. I want you to be our drummer. I think you could do it. You could be the guy. And I told the band about you. So I went and auditioned and I got the gig and that just kind of got me. And that was in 1982. And that got me started uh, playing professionally. And I haven't stopped since. So awesome. that answers the question, how I got started. Yeah. Um, I know you kind of answered this already, um, but how many years have you been a professional drummer? How many years have I been? I've been a, so since 82, it was mm-hmm. April of 82, middle of April. As a matter of fact, it was my first week of playing. Um, let me think. I, it was like um, Easter. It was Easter weekend of 1982 is when my first week of playing was um so that what it's at 23 now so 41 41 and a half years i've been playing well just 41 and a half years that's all (laughs) i was thinking about maybe going pro um what's your favorite song to play on the drums what is my favorite song to play one of like do you think do you think they mean lone star song or you think maybe like anything just any song any song at all oh my god um any song at all. Uh, well, I'll answer two questions. That'll be a two-part question. Lone Star song and my favorite song, period. Right, okay. Uh, okay, I think my favorite song, period, to play would be More Than a Feeling by Boston because that was one of the first songs I was a fan of when I was growing up in 1976. That song had come out, and that was a time when we in school in band, when I was playing trumpet in band, uh, we started listening, we meaning like my friends and I, we would listen to music a little bit differently than we did before. Before music was kind of like, you hear the, the vocal, the words, maybe a guitar here and there, you could pick out the instruments. But by then we were in band and we were like playing parts, you know, mm-hmm. and we started listening to music differently. We started listening to parts like that's the bass guitar and that's a 12 string guitar and that is an electric guitar and that's doubled and they're singing the vocal is that we started picking things out of the music and Boston was the perfect band to do that. Mm-hmm. Boston and Steely Dan, you could really hear the, the recording techniques were so refined that you could hear details that you couldn't hear before in other songs. And that just kind of got me going. So the favorite Lone Star song, I would say probably is What About Now? Mm-hmm. The song What About Now? Because now I, I do like playing Amazed and that's ama- that's an amazing, pardon the pun, but that is an amazing um, song to play but uh, as far as my favorite song to play more of an up-tempo kind of thing you know would be What About Now because um, it was super fun to play in the studio and I have fond memories of that um, when Dan Huff was producing us and uh, also it's just fun to play live we just have a great version of it and it's just mm-hmm. like super up-tempo I yeah love it. I-, I like listening to that live yeah um what is your dream guitarist to play with or who is your dream guitarist to play with? Who would my, be my dream guitarist to play with? I would probably say Mark Knopfler mm. of Dire Straits, you know, because, you know, like Money for Nothing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Salt to Swing. I just think that would be so, 
I would just be completely like between him and Peter Frampton. I think Peter Frampton would be a great, uh, if someone said, Hey, the, the drummer for Peter Frampton, uh, can't, can't make it tonight. Can you fill in or a week or a tour or whatever? Um, can you go play with Peter Frampton? And I would say that would be my, and another one, the third one would be, um, Steve Miller, the Mm. Steve Miller band to play. I've had literally dreams about playing drums with Steve Miller band, but almost like verging sort of on nightmares. Nightmares. Yeah. So the reason I say nightmare is because the, the recurring dream that I have about playing with Steve Miller, the Steve Miller band is that I'm up on stage and this, and this, this is this, I've had this dream multiple times over the years. I'm up on stage trying to set the drums up. The crowd is all formed and they're just waiting. They're, they're, you know, they're just biting the bullet to hear the band play. They're just, they're, they're just super excited to hear, but my drums are all in pieces, all laying around and I can't seem to fit anything together and everything's kind of in pieces and, it, and time is going by and more time is going by and the band's looking at me and the crowd's looking at me and I'm just sort of like stuck. And I can't yep. get the drums to fit together. It's like that part doesn't go to that part and this part's missing and I don't know where the hardware is and the cymbals are not here. And it's just, that's kind of my nightmare. That's why I say nightmare, but yeah, it that, would be a super great dream to play with the Steve Miller band. Um, that would be mm-hmm. one. Boston would be another. I mean, I'm sorry. That was a different question. <laughs> um, Peter Frampton would be one. That would be a great guitarist to play with. Um, yep. So Steve Miller, um, Mark Knopfler and Peter Frampton. Those would be my three go-to favorite guitarists to play with. Nice. Um, last question. How do you memorize songs? How do I memorize songs? Okay, so um, that is one of the skills that you have to to be a professional drummer. One of the things you have to be good at is working up songs. Like, And, and that's my advice to any drummer that is starting out be really good at working up songs because you're going to have to do it in rehearsal. You're going to have to do it in the studio. You're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to like, if you're filling in for somebody, someone's going to have to say, here's how the song goes. You're going to have to be really quick and good at working up songs, you know, thinking about how the beginning. And so over the years I have gotten better at that. (laughs) Our cats are, these cats are meowing. I think they're hungry. Um, I have gotten better at working up songs. And the way I think of it in my mind is to answer their question, how do you work up songs or how do you memorize songs? Um, I have a kind of a visual in my mind and it's kind of like a chart, but not really a chart because I was doing this before I knew about charts, before I knew what a chart looked like. I think of the intro as kind of a shape, almost like a square or something. And it has like some little dots or something like that. And and that's kind of like, that encapsulates the intro. As soon as we finish that, I move down to the next line below that. It's kind of a visual thing I have in my mind, almost like on a piece of notebook paper. Like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm drawing it out in my mind and then I see the the verse, the first verse. And that's kind of like in smaller writing because it Mm -hmm. has to, the sound has to be down a little bit. And then you build into the chorus and the chorus is much bigger. So I see the chorus as as another line below that on this sheet of notebook paper, let's say. And then it has, uh, you know, like beats and the, a different kick pattern and that kind of stuff. And I sort of, that's its own little shape. And then below that is another verse or another turnaround or whatever parts of the song is. I try to visualize them as shapes in my, mm-hmm. in my mind on a piece of notebook paper, because that's kind of how I, I think that's how a lot of people learn when you're in school, you have notebook paper, you make notes, you, uh, you know, when you're studying for a test or something like that, you write down on a sheet of notebook paper. So it's no mystery that 
in my mind when I'm trying to work up a song in my mind and it's on a sheet of notebook paper in my mm-hmm. brain. So yeah. that's kind of how I do it. I sort of visualize it on a piece of paper. That seems to help me. Everybody kind of has their own way of doing it. Um, Scotty Simpson, who was a bass player, friend of mine, he was on my podcast. Um, and if you go back and listen to his podcast, Scotty Simpson, uh, I think it was about a year ago or so, um, he talks a little bit about how he has, because I noticed when we played in the studio, I've done some sessions with him. He has his own chart that he writes. So everybody gets a chart for the song. Well, he transfers from that chart onto his own piece of paper and writes it out his own way. He has his own way of charting a song. And I asked him about that in the podcast, and he was talking about how he visualizes things, and he he just has his own method of charting a song. And I think that's cool. So everybody sort of does that mentally, I think, when you work up a song, you think of how it goes. I'm sure that a vocalist probably thinks of words, and they associate the words with notes on a guitar maybe or something. Everybody kind of has their own way of sort of figuring it out. But you as a drummer, a beginning drummer, uh, you have to figure out a way that you can memorize these songs and work them up in your mind and remember and recall them, whether it's visually or if it's uh, if it's counting or whatever you do, you have to figure out a way to work up that song and get good at that. Because if you're not good at working up songs, that's going to be a problem because you're expected to do that as a drummer. Rehearsals, a lot of times in a rehearsal, it's worse than in the studio because in a rehearsal, you work up a song and then you move on to the next song and you have to memorize that song and then you move on to the next song. And in the studio, you just do one song at a time. You work up a song, you do it, you record it, you're done. Okay, let's move on to the next song. You don't have to play that song again. You're done. In a rehearsal, working up a show, you have to work up the song, remember all the little details about it, beginning, middle, end, all the kicks and stuff. And then when that song's over, you work up another song and you work up that one and you have to go back and play those other songs again and you have to keep working through that and then you have to get on stage and play them in front of a bunch of people and that's even harder you know so mm-hmm. so yeah you have to get good at working up songs and that is how i do it i kind of have a visual sort of a sheet of notebook paper kind of way of of thinking about a song and that's helped me a lot that's interesting yeah, yeah. what's your um what's your favorite band you listen to Emily? My favorite band. Do you band. have a favorite band? Yeah, I th- I'd say I have a few. Um, I like the Black Keys. I like um, Radiohead. I like Deftones. These are all um, sort of older bands, right? A little bit older. I mean, yeah, like uh, the Black Keys, I'd say like uh, 2010, like early, or early 2000s. Um, Radiohead is 90s and 2000s, and Deftones is like 90s. Um, yeah, I, I like, um, a lot of people your age like older music like that. Like yeah. 90s kind well, it's of. cause a lot of music these days, I'm sorry, but a lot of music these days really just sucks. Like it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Like in what way? Like a lot of, not a lot of thought put into it. Are they yeah. trying to be too commercial? Not a lot of thought put into it. Very much the same rhythm, melody. There's just no, there's, um, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to make anyone exasperated or anything, but there's just not much talent in like major industries like like i'm sorry but i hate rap music most of it right like i i just i'm not into it personally i don't i don't see the soul in it you know like Mm -hmm. i like radiohead because it's very unique like um vocally and um melodically yeah Yeah. i was trying to think if i was saying it right melodically um 
the every song has a certain feel to it has a meaning to it and is like 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 you can put it in a in a movie soundtrack yeah you know so it's kind of a vibe that you get a feeling yeah and i think that's what music is it's like a feeling that you get and that's why people listen to music it it gives them a certain emotion a feeling a a buzz a a, a mood it puts you in a certain mood and if a mu- if a song doesn't do that if mm-hmm. a music doesn't do that then yeah then eh. what's the point like yeah. Like a lot of people like rap music because it it kind of like hypes them up, you know, like the 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 bass and whatever it makes like, them angry or something, right? Yeah, like <laughs> like trap music and stuff. They listen to it to like hype themselves up or like they listen to it when they work out. But for me, I just don't see the appeal. Like I don't I don't a lot of major artists today. I just don't. I don't see the talent. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I, I don't see it. <laughs> now, I, we were driving somewhere. I think when we were going to New York that time last year, uh, you had your playlist on mm-hmm. those speakers, and you were yeah. you didn't have your headphones in. You were listening, and your playlist was all over the place. Man, I loved yeah. it. It was like the Eurythmics, and then one would be like the Black Keys, and then it would be some other band I've never heard of. Yeah. And Yeah, I. that's very much... Um, my brain and the, like the music I listen to if someone says what kind of music you listen to I'm like oh boy what kind of music don't I listen yeah, to that's true. like like I like jazz I like metal those are my top two favorite genres I'd say jazz and they're and metal. very wow. different yeah they're very different like like I love jazz I don't listen to jazz a whole lot but when I do it's like the feeling it gives me is like the best feeling that any music really gives me. Wow. Um, and I don't know what genre Radiohead would be, like um, alternative or indie or I don't know what it would be called. Huh. But that type of music with like um, lots of uh, like techno stuff, like sampling stuff and um, like l- being lyrically very meaningful or not meaningful yeah. at all, but, but uh, unique, you know. Yeah. What would you consider Bill Withers? Because I know you're a big Bill Withers fan. Oh, yeah, fan, I love Bill you, Withers. You picked out a couple of songs on your, po- your yeah. playlist. Um, I'd say he's like soul. Um, so the, there are songs from him that, that like like super funky and like, you know, you mm-hmm. bop your head to it. And then there are other songs that are like very like, um, not sad, but just like melancholy. Moody, you yeah, know? right. His like, voice um, is so yeah, unique. very versatile. Yeah. Like like he can sing, um, like I don't know Stevie Wonder esque music, but yeah. then he'll also sing like Al Green esque music. Yeah, like his he he can do both. And he is very soulful yeah. for sure. Yeah, like like Let Me Into Your Life is a very good melancholy song. Um, and then there's what's what's another song from that same album? Still Bill. That's my favorite song or album from him. Um. I like the Ain't No Sunshine when, when she's yeah. gone. That's just so moody and, you know, yeah. Yeah, especially like the part one. when he goes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And it's just yeah. the drums and him yeah. playing with this weird rhythm thing. And you're just kind of like, yeah. you have to tap your foot to it for sure. Yeah, it's a very good song. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd classify him as like soulful, melancholy. And as I said, a cross between Stevie Wonder and Al Green. Yeah. I also love Al Green very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was writing some notes for a podcast that I'm uh, going to be working on soon. And I was at a coffee shop and uh, I was trying to come up with 10 ways to be a better drummer. Basically, I was writing. Mm-hmm. I was just writing because I like coffee shops and I like to ride my one wheel over, sit down, relax, have a cup of coffee and write either a music video treatment or 
uh, song lyrics or, and in this case I was writing, uh, like 10 way thinking of 10 ways you could be a better drummer. So I've got to number nine and I was kind of, or I'd done number nine. I hadn't got to 10 yet. And I was kind of, I was trying to think, I was like, well, I've kind of, I don't, I can't think of anything else. Mm. So there were these two girls sitting behind me and I just kind of read, they were just kind of chatting and talking. And I just turned around and I said, you guys mind if I ask you a question? And they were like, yeah, what? And I said, um, I said, what do you think would make a better drummer? What do you think makes a good drummer? What is it about a drummer that you think that makes him a good him or her a good drummer? And they had a great answer. They said, um, "I think a lot of energy." Yeah. And I, and that that word energy just hit me so strong, and I was like, "Absolutely, that's exactly perfect." And so I wrote down as number ten. I wrote um, to have a lot of energy to put energy into what you're doing. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely depends on the genre, but like like with metal, with hard rock, you definitely need the energy. Um, not only to like hit hard, but to kind of keep up with it. Um, but w- also there's a lot of soul and flow with it, like with jazz and stuff. In order to get the rhythm, you kind of have to like use your whole body. To so kind you're saying of, like, there is energy, even if you're playing soft and, yeah. and sort of laid back, there's still energy there. There's yeah, still there's energy, there. like soulful energy. You can of. tell when a drummer's locked into the groove they're creating that groove and laying that foundation they're yeah. not just phoning it in you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely yeah um who is your besides me of course who's your favorite <laughs> drummer would you say is it the um, 21 pilots guy or josh dunn i think is that his, his name? name with 21 he's, pilots he's pretty good yeah i um i like uh steve gad um oh wow, that's good oh that's right because you I love like, the song 50 ways to leave your lover that's on yeah. your playlist yeah. Um, yeah. And I like uh, Trey Cool, which, by the way, obviously, what a cool name. Trey. Oh, is French- he the one with uh, Green with yeah. Green Day? Yeah, okay. with Green Day. <laughs> right. Like the like the the beats he comes up with are like so killer. I love it. I love him. But his name Trey in French uh-huh. means very, and his last oh, name is Cool. Trey Cool. <laughs> so I I don't so. know if it's made up or not, but if if it isn't, that is damn. the coolest name. Yeah. Like Trey Cool, very cool. <laughs> Wow, very cool. Trey yeah. cool. Wow, that's awesome. And that guy has a lot of energy. That guy's yeah, full of definitely. energy. You can definitely tell mm-hmm. for their style of music. It's just, I cannot imagine any other drummer in that drum seat. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. With, with, with Green, Green Day, Day like, imagine anybody else playing in that band. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't, I couldn't, I can't picture it. Yeah. Like okay. maybe Travis Barker. I could almost yeah. see Travis Barker being the drummer for. Green Day, because he's just that fast and that good, you know. But um, anyway, well, um, do you have any questions um, about being in a band? Or you can just add, you can be the last question. How about that? Okay. About what it's like being in a band, what it's like uh, making records, what it's like traveling, what anything, um, could be anything. I mean, I was going to ask about with rudiments where did you start like which rudiments did you start with like did you start with the easy ones did you start with the hard ones like slam did you start with right right left left yeah what did you start with that's a good thing um i think that before i learned the straight roll which is just right right left left right right left left mm-hmm. forward straight what forward roll straight roll whatever you want to call it um before i started doing that i would just um i would do like a roll i would do like a buzz roll i would mm-hmm. i would like if, if I was like, say I'm uh, 16, 17 years old and I hadn't learned from 
my, my drum teacher yet how to do that right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. Um, I would have just gone and just like practiced, you know, just doing just like buzzing the sticks together, you know, mm-hmm. not really in any order, but just trying to sort of bounce into the right and bounce on the left and bounce on the right to where I would just go like that. And then I would try to make it into a roll, not really mm-hmm. know what I was doing, but I was knew it, it, it sounded cool, you know? And, um, and then when I started taking lessons from his name was Dave Miller and he was the one o'clock lab band drummer at North Texas state university. That's what they used to call it back then. It was called North Texas state university, uh, North Texas, whatever. I think it's called something different now. Um, but uh, he was the number one drummer there, you know, and I took lessons from him and he showed me how to go right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, to start out real slow and just develop that. And you just have to spend a lot of time sitting there doing that. Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't want to make it to where that's all you practice, but he goes, it's definitely one of the most important things you could learn. So mm-hmm. I got my practice pad and I started right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right. And I would sit there and watch TV and I would uh, sit there on my bed before I'd go to bed I would sit there and play that and it's and he's right it has helped me a lot and that's my sort of go-to rudiment and then uh, he taught me a paradiddle which is right left right right left right left left right left right right left right left left Mm -hmm. and you just keep doing that that was a little harder because you had to really sort of think about it you know but now as I do it because I did study that and learn that back in the day I can just do that without even thinking about it it's like a mm-hmm. pattern yeah it's like walking or uh, um, uh, thumping your fingers you know yeah. your your three fingers together like you don't have to really think about that yeah uh, paradiddles have become like that for me and what I do now before I play a gig is I sit there and I warm up with all that stuff I do uh, stretch I do come stretches with my wrists and mm-hmm. take the drumsticks and sort of stretch my wrists out a little bit and then I turn the sticks around backwards uh, you know yeah. to make them heavier mm-hmm. and practice um, normal uh, right right left left right right left left and I'll do paradiddles and I'll and that one technique that I learned I learned it from Phil Collins actually he, in a modern drummer magazine he said one of the things he does to warm up is he does four on the right, four on the left, four on the right, four on the left, and then eight on the right, and then mm-hmm. eight on the left. And he said that completely wakes your muscles up to where, you know, yeah. you could play just about anything after that. You know, it's just kind of like a, I don't know, it's, um, it just makes, it wakes up your muscles is the only way I could tell you. Mm-hmm. Because when you go right, 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 left, 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 right, 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 left, 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 and then eight times on the right eight times on the left and you keep doing that then go back to playing regular rudiments it's just like whoa man my muscles are so like it's so much easier but anyway so yeah Yeah. rudiments are great um i wouldn't make it to where rudiments are the only thing you talk about or the only thing you do or uh, like they're so important i'd say uh laying down a good groove and keeping good time is way more important than rudiments Mm -hmm. for sure yeah um, but learning how to do a groove and then maybe adding in some ghost notes, some little, you know what I mean? Like ghost notes, some little, um, mm-hmm. uh, just, just kind of grace notes. I would call them, you know, like you're playing the, uh, like you're like kick, snare, kick, kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, kick, snare. And then every once in a while, just kind of tap the snare a little bit like that, just adding a little bit of grace notes in there. Yeah, would would be better than any rudiment that you could ever come up with. Rudiments are great, but I wouldn't say that they're the be all and end all of playing drums. They're just something that cool to have if you're doing kind of cool fill or something like that. But um, really, they're not 
they don't really have anything much to do with the meat and potatoes of playing drums, which is kick, mm-hmm. snare, and hat, man. If you get good at that and you can lay down a good groove that other musicians can follow and sit in, then you're doing great. Yeah. You don't need to learn a single rudiment, but mm-hmm. unless you want to. Yeah. But any other questions? Um, what about traveling so. with being in a band? Um, hmm. Like, um, well, I get the question a lot, like, um, what's it, what's the difference between being in a band and then being just a, a musician for a band? Like if you have like an artist, like, um, like Dwight Yoakam or something like that, and then you're just playing drums for his band, it's his name and his band and he owns it and it's his, he, you know, it's his name on the marquee and you're playing drums for him. How's that different than if you're with Lone Star or Aerosmith or Boston or something like that and you're a member of a band? I get that question a lot. Mm-hmm. And I have done both. I've played drums for other people and I have been in several bands. And I will say the main difference is is freedom. When you're a member in a band, not to say that you can't leave. You could you could quit and leave and all that stuff, but if you're let's say I know a lot of musicians who are just backline guys. They just play whatever tour is coming up, they get they offer to play, they'll go play with them. When the tour is up, you you go home and you wait for another tour to come on, you know, and you, and it's kind of cool switching bands like that, playing with like Dire Straits one week and then, or, or for a month or two, and then going out with uh, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp uh, for six months and James Taylor for, I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, that, that would be the coolest thing. But when you're in a band, you're, you have to make that exciting. You have to be excited about being in just that one band. So it's things like a new album, a new tour, um, new songs that you're working up. Maybe uh, you, you rearrange a song or something like that. You have to keep it fresh. And I will say that being in a group, there is a lot more uh, freebies that you have to do. Things you don't get paid for. Uh, mm-hmm. Award shows, um, uh, studio, playing in the studio. You don't get paid for that. But if you're a side guy and you come into the table and you, you know, they're going to have to pay you to come in. And a lot of side people get paid for rehearsals and they get paid for, uh, they get per diem like during the day, if it's a day off somewhere and you're out on the road and you have to eat and you have to do your laundry and all that stuff, you get a per diem uh, money to live on. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the band, you don't get that. I mean, you're part ownership in the band. You have to pay the other people to, to be out on the road with you. Mm -hmm. But I think you make it up in other ways. Like when you sell records or when uh, at the end of the year, when you bonus out, money and things like that so monetarily it's a great thing to be in a band but and sometimes you have to do a lot of free stuff yeah like you have to buy clothes and you have to dress nice all the time and take photos there's photo shoots there's music videos there's uh, award shows there's benefits there's all these things that you don't get paid for that you have to go do and that's hard work a lot of that's hard work whereas if you are a side guy in the band you probably get paid to go do that that's interesting so that's a difference to me you know in the in the two for sure. Definitely some pros and cons for each. Yeah, there's pros and cons for everything. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you ever thought about being in a band or what it would be yeah. like? Yeah, I, I have thought about it. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm i not particularly interested in playing any instruments at the moment. As in, like, I don't have the motivation or the dedication to do it. But I have I do think about it a lot. Like... I don't know, would I play the guitar, would I play the drums, whatever, would I be the vocalist oh, I see. in a yeah. band, like what, what type of songs would we play, who would be in my band, 
um, what genre what you would wear on stage yeah (laughs) (laughs) like where I would play at bars or whatever oh that's cool yeah yeah but I have to say that there is nothing more rewarding than being in a group or being in a band and having it really come together and it sounds good and you get out there on stage and you you perform a song or two and the audience reacts in such a way that you've moved them, you know, you've, mm-hmm. you, that just, you've made their day when you play a certain song, whether it's a song they already knew or a song that they'd heard for the first time or whatever. When you can move somebody with music, that is the reward. That is, that's mm-hmm. to me is better than any money or better than any, any, um, anything else. Um, yeah. And, uh, just enjoy the physical aspect of drumming, uh, being a drummer specifically, touring and playing staying in shape and playing drums and getting to do that physical i'm such a physical person i have to be doing something with my hands all the time i don't think i could be a singer or guitar or anything like that i have to be doing something physical you know Mm -hmm. like moving a hammer or (laughs) playing you know something more sort of um i don't know physical so that's what i've always enjoyed about being a drummer and being on the road it's fun because you have friends out there and uh, as long as everybody gets along and everybody has like-minded conversations, it's always fun. But anyway, yeah. well, we will um, we'll just call it a day. And uh, thank you for joining me, Amelie. My pleasure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, we'll have to. Uh, I try to do this about once every time I come up here with you because I like to include you in the podcast. And you always yeah. have really good ideas and good thoughts. And uh, so until next time. Uh, This has been Amelie Rainwater and Keach Rainwater on Designated Drummer, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. Peace. Bye.